The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Lori Gerber is on a mission to make the world a better place by teaching others to tell the truth and follow their dreams. She created Handle Group Life Coaching as a way to help people thrive across the board of life, including health, love, career, money, and family. Lori, you consider yourself to be an angel recruiter. I love that. What does that mean? I am on a mission to make the world more peaceful, more just, more loving, and potentially uh, such that we last a long time. Mm -hmm. And I know that I cannot do that alone. So I always have my little antenna up for who else is on the world change agent mission. And so that we can combine our powers to spread more of these positive thoughts, feelings, and actions. So so you teach people to tell the truth. Is, it, uh, is that part of being an angel recruiter? Is that you want to help people develop those skills? Or are you looking for people who already have, have the game going? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Both? <laughs> so I teach the Handel method. That is the method of coaching I have been immersed in personally and used personally and have been teaching and coaching for the last 15 years. And I would say if I had to sum up the main point or purpose of that method, it is to learn how to tell the truth. And that could be anything from about what your heart really wants and needs to literally what you ate for breakfast to, you know, those deep, dark secrets we think we have to hide in order to be accepted. Ah, you're speaking my language. My kids always, they, they tease me now and my husband too, because they know that my big thing is for people to tell me the truth. I don't care if you're going to make me mad. Just please don't lie to me. You know, right. and it drives me yeah. insane. But why is it so important to tell the truth? It's so funny. We, you know, I teach webinars on Match.com and JDate and places like that. And we have literally surveyed thousands of people and everybody agrees they want to know the truth. And everyone is waiting for somebody else to start. <laughs> but, you, but really, you go first. I mean, I don't think it's safe to tell the truth until, you know, until someone else is telling the truth. Right. right? So to me, there's so many reasons it's important to tell the truth. I think the main reason is self-respect. And it is extremely hard to know what you think and how you feel and what you want in life and what you're capable of if you are not telling the truth. It just clouds everything up. So that's a very selfish reason to yeah. tell the truth. I mean, not, I'm not even talking about the impact on others of not telling the truth, but the impact on ourselves of lying or misleading or misrepresenting or exaggerating or hiding is that we cannot respect and honor and love ourselves while we're doing it. It, it kind of goes along with what I like to to say, which is that kindness really isn't about other people. It's about yourself. It's a, the life you really change with kindness is your own. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing about telling the truth. Are there times, though, when it's okay not to tell the truth? It's funny. I actually often am arguing that telling the truth is kindness, where other people mm. are arguing that that not telling the truth is kindness. 
And I sometimes find that hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that truths, I mean, first let's define truth. Truth does not mean tell everybody every single thought you have. Many, <laughs> many of our thoughts are garbage, right? Just right. Like sometimes what we eat is garbage. Um, so not everything you think is the truth or an important truth to share we like to focus on the things that you, you know, that you hide, that you're ashamed of, or that you're purposely hiding, you know, or that affect major important relationships in your life. Those things, yes, we do think that it's always helpful to tell the truth. Not necessary, you know, you many people don't, but very helpful if you want the kind, you know, if you want a dream life, if you want an ideal life. That doesn't mean you just blurt it out. There's a whole process to it. There's, of course being developmentally appropriate for the age of the person or if there's a mental health issue being appropriate to that. So it isn't totally, yes, tell everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Mm-hmm. You're not asking people to verbally, verbally vomit every thought that they come that or come across. <laughs> the initial. So you help people thrive across all areas of their lives as a life coach. So that includes health, love, career, money, family. Is there one area that's more important than others to begin with? We think they're all connected. So that's good news and bad news, right? The the good news is if you start working on one, it affects all of them. The bad news is if one is really suffering, you know, if you're suffering in your in your relationship or you're suffering with your health, everything's impacted. Mm-hmm. But I'll say that. So I think they're all connected. They're all related. And different ones are more important to different people at different times. But relationship to self does seem to be at the core of, of everything, right? If your relationship to yourself is one of you know, hatred or alienation or disrespect, then it's going to be very hard to convince yourself that you deserve a beautiful home or, Mm. you know, money or love or all those other things. So I would say, you know, if I had to pick one to, to be sure everyone focused on, it would be relationship to self. That makes sense because I would think that self medication comes through the form of drugs and alcohol and things like that as well. When you feel like this is as good as my life's going to get, you know? Yeah. So you have been on MTV's True Life special, I'm Getting a Second Chance. Dr. Phil, the Today Show, how have you seen people transform their lives? Oh, I mean, I get to see it every day. It's awesome. You do. You do? It's it, Because it would seem to me like it would be a long-term process. Like, you know, you get, you get one transformation every three years where it really takes. Not so? Interesting. My experience personally was that I did a lot of learning and trying for a long time. And then when I met my coach, it was like dominoes fell. You know, it was once I understood some basic principles about how I was misthinking about my own life and misunderstanding my own life very quickly, right? I very quickly quit sugar, got back into my body, learned how to like exercising, started having sex with my husband again, repaired my relationship with my husband again, got my children sleeping, you know, liked myself better. Then I could think about my family. Then I could think about career. And so it was actually a very rapid positive change once the basic concept of I control my hand and I actually control my mind. Uh, Once I was convinced of those things, things rapidly changed. And I would say that is what I find with most of my clients or even, you know, if I think about, I did two different TV shows and one, I got to work with someone over a year 
-hmm. And one, we got to work with someone over a week. And in both of those situations, we saw rapid, rapid change. But that's also because our method is very intense, right? It's very intense and it's very, um, it requires a lot of written homework and, and introspection. So it is designed to move you quickly and indelibly, whereas I think other modalities are not necessarily designed for that. So is there one step that you can give people um, to begin to just, you know, prepare to, to see more thriving in their life? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you the thing that the first thing that blew my mind when I came to coaching that after years of therapy and courses and books and everything, for whatever reason, nobody had suggested to me, mm-hmm. which was that I write my dream or my ideal for each area of life. So if on a scale of one to 10, what would be my 10 a year from now? And I'm telling you, I didn't even, I didn't even have anything to say about so many body, right? I didn't come to coaching for body. I was, you know, at least 20 pounds more than I am now. I was eating sugar at every meal. I was exhausted all the time. I was allergic to half the things I was eating, but it didn't even occur to me to have a dream about that or to write that down as a goal until she asked me to do it for every area. And so I had to go back into the resource, the recesses of my mind to back when I was an innocent dreamer about what I could have. And there I could find, oh, I want to dance. I want to feel great. I want to have sensual pleasure. I want to play with my kids. I, you know, but that it was nowhere in my consciousness when I came to coaching, those types of dreams. So I think the first thing to do is have a, have a reason, right? Have a reason mm-hmm. to do the work. And just start to articulate what that might be across areas. Yeah. So areas that people would consider, you talked about your physical body. What other areas? Your career, of course, the thing you're, or school, whatever you're spending your day with. Um, Your love life, of course. These are the top three, health, body, love, and career, money, time, fun, Mm -hmm. spirituality, of course, your relationship to yourself, of course, and your bad habits and your self-talk and all that. Um, home, family, you know, the stuff we all have to deal with. (laughs) Right. Get out the notebook and start writing. Our lists are published everywhere. If you just, you know, a a very short glance at the website, you'll see it's not hard to find our list of areas of life or our basic assignments. So that should be easily accessed by anybody who wants it. So what do you say then to somebody who comes in and writes down their goals for, let's say, a year from now, and they want to be, um, you know, they want to look like a a Baywatch character and they want to be a millionaire and, you know, it's great to dream big, but at what point do you say, okay, well, let's be realistic here or is that not good? Yeah. Well, we have specific rules to how to dream, literally guidelines, do's and don'ts. And one of the do's and don'ts is it needs to be a stretch, but doable. Ah. So we are not, we are not saying write down your fantasies. Okay. Grandiose imaginings, we are saying, let's pretend it's a year from now and you got on your own team and you played hard and you were your own best friend and you were your own best champion and you you had all the self-talk you think you should have. What would happen? What would be possible? So I'm not going to say I'm going to be in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. I can say I'm in the best shape of my life. I can say, you know, I can do 50 push-ups, but I am saying something that would impress me and be a stretch for me, but is within the realm of doable or else that's not what we consider a dream. What we consider a dream is in that realm of doable. So good. Such a good point. 
We'll get back to our conversation with Lori Gerber in just a moment, but first, our kindness call, sponsored by Cornwell Properties, where location matters. Hi, Nicole. My name is Aaron. I'm calling from Wisconsin. I have uh, the ultimate story of kindness on this Memorial Day 2019 to share with you. This is about a man named Michael Mansoor. Uh, he was a United States Navy SEAL, and um, in uh, May of 2006, he and his team, he was assigned to Delta Platoon SEAL Team 3, they were uh, deployed to the most dangerous place on planet Earth back in those days, and that, would, uh, that being Ramadi, Iraq. Um, after five months of deployment, they were a week away from going home. They were one week away. They were on their last mission of that deployment. Then on September 29, 2006, he and his comrades were stationed uh, atop a roof, um, engaged in heavy combat. Uh, an enemy insurgent threw a grenade over the roof, hit Mr. Mansour in the chest. And interestingly enough, he was the only one of the six men on the roof that could have made it to safety. The other five of his brothers were certain to die. But instead of taking the easy route out, he dove on top of it, and his body absorbed the blast, saving his five brothers. He, uh, he died. He succumbed to his wounds about 30 minutes later, um, and he was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor, which is not one of these things that's given out freely or easily. So when I think about kindness, uh, I can't think of a greater act of sacrifice uh, and kindness than um an individual that uh, puts his life down for his brothers. So there you go. Um, Hope you're having a wonderful day. Thanks. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. Can you tell us about um, either one of the TV shows or another situation, a scenario in which you saw someone transform their life and what they, what the before and the after looked like? Mm. I mean, my favorite example is my own because I'm, as you know, close enough related to it. But if you, if you want it to be somebody else's, I can definitely. Well, for yours, I feel like you're telling me to give up sugar and that just makes me cry a little bit. (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel better, I prove that I can do it. But now I do eat sugar on the weekends. So okay, just, okay. If that makes you feel any better, I'm not. I'm not. I am not um, orthodox, really, about anything other than the concept of keeping promises to myself and telling the truth. And even that, you know, I mess it up. Yeah. But I, I believe in it. So, one of the most profound things I came to coaching upset about was my relationship with my husband. I think a lot of people struggle with that. You know, that's the person you said you'd love, honor, and cherish. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you don't really like them anymore. <laughs> yeah. They like you anymore. And that was the scenario when I came to coaching was we were not – the before picture was we were co-parenting effectively-ish, but we were fighting more, not really getting along. And the truth is he was starting to flirt with my assistant, and that's probably why I even started to pay attention at all mm. to the fact that we were not connected. So – um as I've told you, one of the first things that I had to do was articulate my dream for my relationship with him. And that dream was simply stated, intimate, connected conversations. Like if I really had to boil it down, that's what I was yearning for, wishing for, but did not think I could have. The second assignment is, why do you think you don't have it? So essentially, we're asking your heart to speak and then your head to speak. So my heart spoke about intimacy and my head spoke about the fact that my husband's a jock 
and he's a man's man and he doesn't talk about his feelings. Mm-hmm. So my heart and my head were in conflict. And <laughs> one of the one of the fun things about having a coach is the coach calls BS on your assumptions and excuses. And she said to me, you know, I'm not buying that that's the reason. You know, there's plenty Ooh. of people who like sports who manage to have connected conversations. So, you know, please go back and get me a, b- a better answer. <sighs> and uh, And she had the very wise idea that I actually ask him. Which I had not thought of myself, <laughs> which is which is foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. So we designed this whole conversation that I was going to have with him where I would share my dream, you know, be vulnerable, and then, you know, very lovingly and safely ask him why he thought we didn't have it. And um, it was really, it was a very, I really will never forget it. It was one of those, you know kind of like uh, life altering life flashes before your face kind of moments. Mm-hmm. So I have to convince, it takes me a few minutes after reading him my dream to convince him to tell me any feedback at all. But he goes, okay, you really want to know why we don't have, you know, long walks on the beach. Fine. Talking to you. Here's my experience, Lori. You um, basically let me get maybe three or four sentences out before you interrupt me. And I know that you get away with that with your girlfriends and you are not trying to be mean. But for me, it is like a physical assault. I cannot get my train of thought back. I don't want to get my train of thought back. You've already taken me on some other road that's all about you, not about me. I stopped trying to talk to you years ago. Oh, man. I know. Epiphany moment. Oh, I hate it when it's my fault. I know. And all I want to do is defend myself, except that in this moment, I know I have to report back to the coach. I know I'm supposed to be learning something. And I can hear like these whispers of things my family has told me or other people have told me that maybe I'm a little selfish and maybe I don't always care enough about what other people feel. And suddenly I realize I'm in this moment of truth where, right, truth, my favorite, I'm in this moment of truth. Where I can either defend myself and keep the cycle going of blame or I can admit it and apologize and mean it and really for the first time in my life drop my weapons and and be vulnerable and really be willing to change. And so I did. I did. In that moment, I said, I'm sorry. I said love, honor, and cherish in front of all of our friends and our family and then I never listened to a whole story. And it was really true. Like I could – it was true. I really always thought a conversation was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, not I'm a Jew from New York. He was raised by a Presbyterian minister and a school teacher, and he is used to the moral coming at the end of the sermon, and that's how he talks. He builds to his point, and it comes at the end. And I never I never waited. So I, I didn't even think he was that smart. Like I really never ever waited. Wow. And it's hard to believe listening to me chat like this. But. No, it's super it's super <laughs> cool. And I know that like, there was a whole bunch of listeners who got into a, a cold sweat when you even mentioned right. sitting down and having a conversation with your right. spouse saying, hey, these are my dreams. What do you think? And right. uh, exactly. I was in a cold sweat for sure the whole the whole way through. So that's I, normal yeah. then. Yeah. And and now looking back on it, like I, I literally retold that story thousands of times and I'll never get sick of it because it was such a moment of truth of choosing to be the author of my life and take responsibility and not defend. And you think that when you do that, you're going to feel like a loser or you're going to feel like you've lost power, but it's the opposite. You feel so much power. And so, but I went a step further because it's not just your heart and your head, it's also your body 
So I went a step further and I said, I'm not interrupting anymore. And if I do, and to this day, this was 15 years ago, to this day, if I interrupt him, I do one of his chores. Oh, right. So I put my money where my mouth is. I do the right thing and I do something about it. So it's just like you do the crime, you do the time. Right. So I, I put my money where my mouth is. If I'm not going to interrupt, I'm going to pay a consequence if I do. And I'm going to keep reforming myself and keep training myself to do the thing that I wish I would do because I think you deserve to be listened to. It's just I have a bad habit. So I'm going to fix it. And he, you could see his life flash before his eyes, by the way. Right. Because in that moment, he's like, "Uh oh, I'm not a victim anymore, apparently, starting now. Right. He's he's thinking he's going to move on to the next best thing. And all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute, we're not moving anywhere. We're going to exactly. stay right here and fight for this. Exactly. So, And you could see that he had no excuse. He would have no excuse for not talking or no excuse for not sharing, no excuse for being afraid of me, no excuse for any of it anymore. So it changed us both very profoundly in that moment. And then it was hard to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Nicole, I had to put tape on my mouth when we were talking about money. <sighs> gets my anxiety going. So, but I did it. And the more I shut up, the more he talked. And the more he talked, the more I was interested because he puts the interesting stuff in the middle of the end. And then the more I listened, the more he wanted to talk. And lo and behold, it did not take long for us to then be the kind of couple that would have long talks, you know, long intimate talks. Um, again, I only, I think the important part of that story is that if you believe your reason why you can't have what you want, you won't take the right action. You won't even see the right action for how to fix it. So some of us work so hard to fix what's wrong with us, but we never are, we're not working on the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or we think we need to fix the other person. Like you really oh. need to change. <laughs> oh, that's that's the oldest one in the book. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, this has been fascinating to talk with you today, Lori. I'm just digging this and I'm sure that there are so many people who are in a state of emotional coldness with their spouse, for lack of a better word, that that are thinking, wait a minute, what do I need to tell the other person that I need? And and where is where are we falling off mm. in all of that? Right. Mm. right. Just just sharing the dream will make something change. Just that one little piece will cause something to change. But if you want to really go for extra credit, own up own up to your part and change your behavior. Mm. <laughs> and then you're really aces. That's right. We're we're overachievers on this kindness podcast. So you bet right. that's what everyone's gonna do when they when they listen. Thank you so much. Oh, you know, I wanna ask you one last thing. How do you think that your kids have grown up differently seeing the two of you interact that way versus the path you were on? Oh my gosh, my kids make me so proud and keep me on my toes every day. It's crazy. But I will tell you my proudest moments are when I see them fight with each other. Like just the other day, I saw them fight with each other. And oh, it was fascinating. The whole family was in a little scuffle. And when it died down, my son said to my daughter, my 16-year-old said to my 14-year-old, listen, I just want to go back a few minutes. I yelled at you. I said you were wrong about something. But you know what? I was totally wrong. I misunderstood what you were saying. I completely agree with you. And I'm sorry that I yelled at you. Wow. <laughs> Holy like, Hannah, that's oh cool. It was, it was such a, mo I almost cried. Yeah. I, I, I was like, oh, my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> sure now you know you're good at what you do because it has gotten through to a 14 and 16 year old. Oh. It, was, it, was, it was a pretty special moment. Lori, thanks so much for talking with us. And I hope you have a great day and keep on keeping on. 
You too. Thank you so much for what you do. That was a conversation with Lori Gerber. You can learn more at www.handlegroup.com slash Lori Gerber. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Chloe Meston. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. 